0: Hey, we are about to land this series called Established and I hope you've been enjoying this because we've been celebrating the fact that the steps of a man are established by the Lord as it says in Proverbs thirty-seven twenty-three. Looking at these rhythms and this healthy muscle memory we can develop with the Lord if we do the deep work of discipleship. And I've been saying it every week. I'm going to build upon it today. We've looked at being before you do, following the crucified Jesus, discovering treasures buried in our grief and loss. We've looked at how limits help us trust God more, loving others, impacting, uh, really figuring out how our family history impacts us, and overcoming the past of uh, really our generational past and how we navigate through that. But today, we're going to look at something that I think is very open life. And that is we're going to embrace vulnerability, a word that is not that easy to say, but I'm going to say a lot of times today uh, just for fun. No, could there be a better open life word? Like the very name open life is... Vulnerable. Uh, It's it's open. It's life opened. And uh, this word vulnerable comes from, is derived from, I guess, the Latin word vulnerare, which means to wound. To wound. Have you ever been wounded? Man, I had such a healthy, life-giving coffee this morning reflecting on some of the wounds of the past and how God has brought me out of that and uh, in ministry how we get through seasons of of wounding but I just want to ask man do you hide your wounds or have you learned to celebrate your scars I want to take a moment in the life of Jesus and it's a very transparent moment recorded in scripture where he modeled weakness, he modeled vulnerability, he embraced the need to invite others along with him on his journey of anguish and sorrow and humanity, I guess you could say, pain. Let's read it. Uh, Matthew 26, 36. Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jump forward to verse 42. It says Jesus left them a second time after he found them sleeping, right? And, And prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Finally, it closes in verse 44 when he says, so he went to pray a third time, saying the, same, saying the same things again. Jesus praying before he was taken and beaten and crucified and resurrected three days later for you and me. And he prays these prayers of anguish and he's open and he brings others along. I look at this and this is not the Superhero. This is not the the CEO pastor that has it all together all the time. This is not the tough leader that we follow, the visionary, right? This is a humble demonstration of humanity. And uh, it's something very different than I think we see when we think leader today. And when we're being challenged to be people who lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, we might fall into some stereotypes that don't represent vulnerability. Uh, my challenge to you is is to be people that are genuine and worth following, and uh, and I I think people would much much more prefer to follow someone who is genuine has a genuine faith developed in the presence of God and that's demonstrated to the world around them through humility much more than one who's living a facade until they get caught so it's not our stories that relate and impress the world around us it's actually it's our scars it's our wounds it's our weakness our big idea today is genuine discipleship embraces vulnerability genuine discipleship. It's sad when the culture convinces us that we have to keep our pain hidden or we have to keep our weaknesses to ourselves unless we meet some sort of an invisible threshold that's like, okay, it's bad enough now I need to call for help. Or worse, maybe we reach some final point of needing help, but we think I haven't told anybody yet how embarrassing now to share. So we shrink back And we cut ourselves off from the very community that is wired to help us. Uh, We see it more often than not. People going through their their misery alone is not God's desire. More often than not, due to our, our lack of authenticity, we hide our issues. Instead of allowing those who've offered their lives to be there for one another, to walk through the valleys with us. We need to walk through the valleys with each other. We, envo- we end up avoiding environments like small groups or re-engage or emotionally healthy spirituality, any place where we could be encouraged to reveal our weakness. We're like, I'm not going there because I'll have to share too much. Anybody relate, right? But genuine faith walks with, walks with. We're not gonna just bless you. No, we're gonna. I am with you, right? When we distance ourselves from those willing to walk with us in the valleys, we we self isolate, we implode. Uh, we have each other four times like this, and I, I just can't say it enough because it's come up a lot in our discipleship conversations. We are there. Four moments that might seem the most messy in your life. Uh, When we learn to let one another in, that's when we discover the beauty of faith. Relationships, genuine followers of Jesus who are there for one another no matter what, are a treasure from God. They're a gift, not due to our our lack of weakness and, and vulnerability. Uh, This is due to our humanity and transparency that we get to experience the grace of God. We should have the spiritual maturity to put ourselves in places where we are woundable. Like we're willing to be transparent enough that we're risking enough that, yeah, we might be able to be wounded again. Uh, Love risks being wounded. And we need to love one another. At Open Life we lean into the mess and we're genuine. That's a value we hold strongly. And we're without facade. Keeping your distance and playing it safe will leave you feeling a little distanced and awkward in our culture over time and that's for good reason because we value vulnerability. It, it is it is culture who has built this idol of power and strength and have it all together, uh, I would call that posturing. And it's something that this, the younger generations in our world today can smell from a mile away and it's disdain, it just isn't attractive. So we just can't allow ourselves to slip into that worldly perspective. And we should be genuine with all of our flaws, our wounds, our scars, our weakness, our imperfections. We weren't created to be perfect people. And so God uses our imperfections to show his perfection. Now, open life is is doing the hard work of discipleship. And we've been doing it for a few years, whether it's through re-engage or now the, the pilot course we're walking through uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's just, we're doing hard work that seems like, why am I digging things up? Well, it's because We want to be genuine people, leading people into a growing relationship uh, with each other and with Jesus. We don't want to be stuck in a place of of facade where we're just painting over years worth of scars. We want to be a genuine ministry. We don't want to be known for our venues, our worship, our, our ministries. We want to be known for people who love people so much that they were delighted to share not only the gospel of God, but their lives as well, right? First Thessalonians 2.8, truly being a people who let others in. So how do we do that? How do we walk out vulnerability without it being an aspirational desire? How do we actually live it out? A couple thoughts, simple thoughts for you today. One, develop vulnerability in the presence of God. I mean, if we're not going to be vulnerable with God, how in the world are we going to be vulnerable with each other? Uh, Jesus knew that he needed to spend time with God, and and that's why he went in his anguish and distress to the the garden there at Gethsemane, and and he bowed down and he prayed, and and I look at that, and, and while it looks like he's withdrawing, he actually is pressing in to his father in heaven. He's pressing into his relationship with God. And we must note that he was not doing that alone. He had the wisdom to not just escape, but he invited three close friends with him into the mess, into the anguish, pressing into God's presence. I mean, when when the road got tough, Jesus didn't retreat from his spiritual rhythms, he pressed into them. The most important thing, his secret sauce, was prayer, right? And he invited those who could walk with him into that journey. And uh, we can't afford to just go to church, right? Uh, Or treat church like a place of value exchange or investment and and return. Uh, Church is where we can press into the presence of God with our family. And I'm not just talking last week, right? Our family. I'm talking our our spiritual family. I'm talking we're all members of one family when we make a decision to follow God. We need to come together and press into the presence of God with one another and watch him do something beautiful with our weaknesses, with our wounds. Yeah, we become this family by doing it genuinely with one another. Okay, but we have we have made some mistakes. Uh, too often, when the road gets tough, we get secretive, right? I get why, but let me have a little fun because I think we've all been guilty of it at one point in time or another. Writing an unspoken prayer request, I don't know if you've ever been on a prayer team, or if you've ever written a request, <laughs> but uh, what's your prayer request? What, what can we pray with you about? And this phenomenon takes place where somebody just writes, I have prayer. It's unspoken. I've even been in a public prayer meeting with people in a circle, and, and we anything we could pray with you about, anything we could pray with you about. And somebody's, Yeah, I have a prayer request. It's an unspoken. I don't know where that came about, but let's play around with this a little bit. Uh, like, who created the theology of the unspoken? Now, God knows our heart, right? I get it. But who goes to Chick-fil-A and orders an unspoken? <laughs> I was just playing with this in my mind. Uh, yeah, what may I get for you, sir? <sighs> I'll just take, I'll, uh, I do need something. I'll take. Uh, I'll take an unspoken. My pleasure, right? No, that's not the response you're gonna get. What about showing up to your doctor's office? I know when I'm checking in in the lobby, they're like, and what can the doctor see you for today, right? And you're there and you're just like, well, I'm here with an unspoken. (laughs) It's not gonna work out well. They're gonna look at you funny. And yet in the church, we've allowed it for generations. We've embraced this secretive, side of the faith and and we don't want often too often prayer groups turn into gossip chains right and so that's where I believe that came from but I'm looking that going but I believe we've allowed it to take place if you say that at Chick-fil-a you say that at the doctor's office they're not going to send you back they're going to ask you well, well what exactly do you want you want the 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 Chicken? (laughs) What are you here for? You know, you've got a rash on your face. Is that it? You know, I don't know. But I look at this and I go, we got to just lean in to our relationship with one another and be genuine and not cover up or be secretive. Learn to be more vulnerable and learn to open up our lives with one another so God could begin to do a deep work in his family together. And uh, that's pressing into the presence of God and His family. I, I just look at that and I, I think we need to it, realize it takes incredible strength to be genuine. It takes incredible strength to be vulnerable and, and to allow our weaknesses to be present and move forward with them. And I honor those who are leaning into that. Uh, how about thought two? We need to demonstrate vulnerability as an example to the world. If we if we can just live this out beyond our church friends and beyond our small group beyond our discipleship if we could just begin to live out vulnerability what is possible listen to 1 Corinthians 125 this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. Listen to this. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. The reality is God chooses the weak to demonstrate his strength. So he leans into our weakness and vulnerability. God is using our weakness and vulnerabilities to demonstrate his power to the world around us. And so hiding our troubles actually inhibits our witness. People aren't gonna see us come out of anything if they didn't know we were going through anything. And Paul understood this. He understood this when he argued and demonstrated his own spiritual authority. I mean, Paul could have claimed all the miracles and deliverances and powerful moves of the Holy Spirit as he was defending himself and his ministry, but what he went back to over and over and over again, he went back to his weaknesses. Paul's default was to lean into his weakness. Second Corinthians 12, 8 says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. He's speaking about what he referred to as a thorn in his flesh. And he's begging God to take it away. It says in verse nine, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ for when I am weak, I am strong. Paul got it. And and the world took note. They saw the difference in Paul's life. David got it as well. I mean, we can look all throughout scripture. How about David? It, It was said that David was what? A man after God's own heart. Well, listen to his testimony, Psalm 51, 16, and 17. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burn offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And he did not. He did not despise that because God embraced him as a man after his own heart. Man, I saw this illustration in in Pete Schizero's book, uh, Discipleship. It talks about this Japanese art. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but the Japanese art of Kintsugi. And I hope I'm saying that right. I mean, YouTube helped me a little bit with it. But anyway, uh, it's an art that connects the broken pieces of a pot well, what am I talking about? They would take lacquer and gold shavings and they would take a broken vessel and they would paint the edges where it was broken and re-put it back together. You can see in the picture here, they'd re-put it back together and it, it would become a new vessel, And but it, it would... Celebrate the scars. It would celebrate the broken elements and and the craziest thing about these pieces is they were becoming more valuable than they originally were. Uh, these pieces actually were stronger now than they were originally. and uh, the, so they became this phenomenon, and where it was birthed out of was a culture within. Uh, the japanese that the a value that the japanese held high that's called wabi-sabi now don't get that mixed up with the green stuff at the sushi store right not wasabi wabi-sabi anyway uh this is a philosophy which calls for seeing beauty in the flawed the damaged the imperfect the idea is to appreciate the whole history of the pottery piece, including its brokenness. I gotta tell you, when I stepped into Finn Hall for the first time, and I looked at the old, beautiful, like what, what do you think's gonna be in a 1918 hall? A beautiful ship lap, right? You're just like, oh my goodness, look at these gorgeous walls and 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 look at this wood and look at these floors and you just there's something but in the floors you could see the boot marks from dancing and chairs over generations that have been moved around that floor and all these dots and dark spots and scratches and scars and the wall and it's little spots where it's dinged or buckling just slightly that's like that's part of the beauty of that that's That's this wabi-sabi, right? We need to to hold dear that, not just in things. We should hold dear the evidence of God's healing, his power, his forgiveness, his grace that is witnessed in, in our scars, in people's lives. And they should become more valuable having met Jesus, having made a decision to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, our lives are redeemed. We have been put back together, made new again, and might I say, way more valuable, all of our flaws and everything. I I wanna challenge you. We've got an action point today that is simple. I've said it a few times during the talk. We need to lean into vulnerability. We need to lean into this. We This needs to be a part of our culture, both in our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. This is powerful. It's something... Um, or let me share something that those who did the the small group last spring, uh, the, the small group on prayer discovered. And, and Jaden shared it with me. It's called Praying the Examine, which is short for examining your conscience, basically. But they, they, they learned this little ancient prayer strategy, like way back to the 1400s. And uh, it, it's four R's. They're there in the notes and the fill-in if you're following along with the talk. But it's, it says replay, which means we're gonna think over our day and uh, like a movie, if you will, and we're gonna see the things we should notice. We're gonna see the things that went well that made us happy, that brought joy to our lives, and we're gonna see the things that we regret or maybe make us angry, right? We're gonna rejoice, so replay, rejoice. Thank God for those things that were obvious and and beautiful and that we experienced, and otherwise maybe we'd go through our day and forget if we didn't take the time to to examine our life at the end of the day, right? Uh, random acts of kindness, our health, things that we can be grateful for—we need to relish and savor those things so we rejoice, right? So replay, rejoice. The third thing we're going to do is repent. This is where we look at our flaws and our weaknesses, and we just lay it before God and we review. Man, I put this back together. I, I should—I need to go tomorrow and ask for forgiveness in this, or I—I. I, Shouldn't have entered into gossip there. Man, I really, I I shouldn't have had that tone in that conversation. We we recognize the things that God forgive me for that. And then final step, reboot, right? It's full on hold the power button down until you hear it go. And then (laughs) reboot. Make a decision in your heart to live for Jesus tomorrow. Tomorrow I know is a new day, Lord. I'm gonna build upon what I've learned today. If we could do something like that, the examine, uh, and we could take five minutes, or man, maybe you need that additional time with the Lord and you start spending a half hour in in prayer with the Lord at the end of the day, just reflecting and, and allowing your heart to heal and be moved into what you should live out tomorrow. I want you to develop practices that'll help you do This is the deep work of discipleship. And what we're going to discover in doing things as simple as this, this is just a little tool to lean into vulnerability. But if we can do things like this in our life, I believe God is going to transform our culture. Like when you, that you could just sense something is different here. This is a vulnerable people. These people are genuine. And we do that by developing vulnerability in the presence of God and demonstrating vulnerability with each other. Why? Because genuine discipleship embraces vulnerability. And that's what we want to pray into your life today. God, I thank you for the opportunity. We have to come together online and learn from you. And and this is very much so, it could just be a moment we consume a message, but God, I pray it's a moment we engage in life with one another. That we could be even more genuine somehow with our online services and that lord you'll raise us up in a way that would be more vulnerable and ask for prayer and communicate hey i was here today i'm struggling with this hey thanks for the talk i i'm feeling this way god i pray that right now you will move on and in our lives to not hide to not shrink back and if we have not feel ashamed of it, and that we would lean into the relationships that you've put in our our life, into the community of followers of Jesus that we get to be around. May we step into this moment of, of valuing vulnerability. And God, I praise you for a challenge like this and your word that stirs this up and demonstrating, even in that prayer with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, I look at this and I go, anguish and and he was torn and he, he, he was praying so genuinely, may we be that genuine, not only in our relationship with you, but may we invite others into our sorrow. And may we invite others into our struggles and may we truly, genuinely do life with one another. I give you praise for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, next week we're going to finish this talk and I thank you Uh, really this series, not this talk. This talk just finished. But next week, we are going to finish this series. I thanks for walking along uh, with us. And I thank you for just challenging yourself to do a deeper work that allows your roots to grow and establish. I really believe God's doing something special in and through you. So Lord bless. Have a great week.